0: this is Reset, I'm Sasha Ann Simons. As the Israel-Hamas war continues, it's very hard to get clear, conclusive information about what's happening on the ground. Competing narratives quickly emerge about events like this week's hospital explosion. Israeli authorities say one thing, sources in Gaza say another. The U.S. government gives its account. It's confusing, to say the least. Meanwhile, as we recently covered on the show, misinformation and disinformation are spreading quickly, especially on social media. Now another important aspect here is the situation for journalists. Number one, any reporter in Gaza is working under extreme duress. But very few international media outlets have reporters on the ground in Gaza to begin with. Most of their journalists are restricted to Israel and are in places like Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. That is not the case for Al Jazeera. It's one of the few news organizations with reporters in Gaza. But that could soon change. The Israeli government has just approved new emergency regulations that could see Israel censor and effectively ban the network. Joining us now from D.C. is Leila Al-Aryan, longtime journalist with Al Jazeera English and executive producer of the documentary program Fault Lines. Welcome to Reset, Leila.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: The Committee to Protect Journalists is calling on the Israeli government not to ban Al Jazeera. What was your reaction when you learned about these new emergency rules?
1: It's really disturbing. Al Jazeera, as you mentioned, is one of the few news organizations, international news organizations, on the ground in Gaza right now. And the work they're doing is incredibly important. They are documenting civilian casualties from Israel's brutal air assault on the people of Gaza, they are going into hospitals, documenting what's happening to people there. They are telling human stories. They're also reporting on the ins and outs of people leaving their homes, of the Israeli military's conduct, of what's happening uh, every step of the way in Israel's uh, assault from the air. So it's incredibly important. Anyone who cares about uh the importance of uh, journalistic freedom, of documenting what's happening, needs to be appalled by this action to speak out, to condemn it, and to call on Israel to continue allowing Al Jazeera to operate because they're doing incredibly important work. And
0: bring us up to speed. This isn't the first time that Al Jazeera has come up against this particular government, is it?
1: It's not. Al Jazeera reporters have been attacked uh, by Israeli forces, um, physically attacked. Uh, Al Jazeera's offices, uh, an office in uh, a building housing Al Jazeera and the Associated Press in Gaza, was bombed by Israel in its 2021 air assault in Gaza. And as many people know, the Al Jazeera famed journalist, the iconic journalist, Shireen Abu Akla, was killed by Israeli forces. On May eleventh, 2022, as she was reporting from Janine, the Israeli military initially said that she was killed in crossfire, that Palestinian gunmen actually killed her. But after several investigations by organizations like The Washington Post, The New York Times, The United Nations, Bellingcat... Uh, they were finally forced to admit that, in fact, one of their soldiers killed Shireen. Uh, so it took them many months and many professional, independent, thorough, transparent investigations for them to finally admit that they killed her. But mm. she was visibly visibly identifiable as a journalist. She was wearing her helmet and flak jacket, which said press on it. And many people believe she was targeted because she was uh, so visible.
0: I'm glad you brought up Shireen. I'm wondering what obstacles your team on the ground came across while reporting? And, and if you're seeing some of those same factors at play when it comes to reporters working in Gaza right now.
1: My team made a documentary about Shireen's killing called The Killing of Shireen Abu Akla" that came out last year. And the main obstacle they faced when they were reporting on the ground is the fact that the Israeli military flat out refused to speak to them. So we were not able to take our findings from our investigation to the Israeli military on camera. What our team found is that None of the eyewitnesses who were actually there who witnessed Shireen uh, getting killed, who themselves were shot at, were actually ever questioned by the Israeli military, which claims to have conducted its own investigation, which really raised serious questions about how credible and thorough their investigation is if they didn't even speak to the eyewitnesses who were there. Mm. As far as the journalists operating on the ground today in Gaza, they're dealing with things like fuel uh, being cut off. Internet shortage, Internet being cut off, uh, food and water being cut off. So in addition to this dire humanitarian crisis that's on the ground right now, Mm -hmm. uh, they are encountering all sorts of obstacles in terms of just doing their job. How do you charge your phone in a situation like that or your laptop? Communications are spotty, not to mention the fact that they themselves are having to escape Israel's bombardment, which is indiscriminate which has killed already more than 1,000 Palestinian children in Gaza, which has killed over uh, 3,000 people so far. How do you survive? How do you escape from that when there is no escape route and also do your job? Yeah. I can't even imagine what they're going through.
0: And, and you're not just talking about journalists from, from Al Jazeera, right? Are you also expressing the experience of journalists from BBC and AP?
1: Yes, these are all the journalists in Gaza who are having to report on this dire humanitarian crisis, on the civilian casualties, uh, to say nothing of the trauma that they're encountering just by seeing um, everything they're seeing, but also trying to keep themselves safe. These are all the journalists in Gaza. I should also mention at least 15 journalists in Gaza have been killed since the start of the war.
0: So we, we talked about, you know, just how, how difficult it is for, for them to move around uh, at this point as they try to cover this conflict. How do you see that limitation shaping the coverage of this
1: It's really difficult if you turn on American news, whether it's CNN or MSNBC, to see really detailed reporting on the civilian casualties in Gaza. You're not learning people's names. You're not hearing their stories. You're not getting their testimony in the way that you are if you turn on Al Jazeera. The fact that international channels, U.S. and European channels, are not in Gaza, do not have a physical presence. And the reason for that is because Israel is simply not allowing journalists in. They aren't allowing them in, so we're not getting the reporting. And we're not getting the wall-to-wall coverage of victims that you saw from the October 7th Hamas attack against Israelis. So there you saw really moving, um, detailed portraits of who was killed. You saw testimony from their tearful family members. You really uh, were able to empathize with them. But then when when we're not getting the same out of uh, Gaza, uh, as far as the the Palestinian, the Gazan victims, then you, you know, in return, audiences lack that empathy for them and Mm -hmm. don't hear their stories and don't hear their names or see their faces. And I think that has a huge impact in public perception of what's happening.
0: Yeah, say more about that. Can you give any specific examples of of reporting that you've seen that missed the mark to you?
1: Well, one of the problems we've seen is the media kind of unquestionably going with Israeli claims that are then not stood up or even debunked. So there was a story last week about uh, Hamas fighters actually beheading babies, but we never saw any evidence of that. In fact, the Israeli military later came out and said we actually can't corroborate or substantiate that, but it was too late. This CNN and other networks you know went with that for you know for days talking about beheaded babies and what that does is it plays on Islamophobic tropes. It plays on stereotypes of barbaric and savage Palestinians or Middle Easterners. And it can uh, make people, you know, it it demonizes an entire group of people and can make viewers really come to hate them and also pave the way for genocide against them. So that's what we're seeing in terms of the media coverage of, of, you know, that preceded uh, the assault on Gaza. So if Israel is
0: successful in in censoring your outlet, Al Jazeera, what does that mean for people in Gaza? And, And what does it mean for Al Jazeera readers and viewers all around the globe?
1: It means that people will not know about Israel's war crimes in Gaza. They will simply go unreported. We'll go back to a time in which we didn't have news uh, that was reporting, uh, you know, minute to minute, hour to hour. So anybody who cares, again, about freedom of the press needs to really speak out about this and make sure that journalists are allowed to do their jobs.
0: I just want to make a a note uh, earlier when uh, we talked about your former colleague Shireen Abu Akhla, uh, you mentioned that the Israel Defense Forces admitted that their soldier killed Shireen. What they actually said was that there's a high possibility Israeli soldiers killed her. Uh, Not quite a a full admission that it was done, but as close as you can get to that.
1: As close as you can get. In general, you have um, a, a pattern of Israel refusing to acknowledge responsibility when it's killed journalists, Uh, the Committee to Protect Journalists actually came out with a report about this called A Deadly Pattern back in May to mark the one-year anniversary of Shireen's death. And they found in that report that over a period of 22 years, uh, the Israeli military killed 20 journalists, 18 of whom were Palestinian, and no one ever faced any accountability in any of those deaths. I hear you have
0: family ties to Gaza yourself. Yes, I do. Yeah.
1: Who's there? I have a couple of aunts there and some of some extended members of my mother's family and in fact, we learned last week that 11 of them were killed in one airstrike including a 2-month-old baby.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm Thank so you. sorry. How are you communicating with them?
1: It's very difficult. Every now and then we connect through Facebook, but otherwise the lines are spotty and it's really difficult to stay in touch with them. Wow. As you may know,
0: Layla, this week a six-year-old boy here in the Chicago area, Wadiya al Fayumi, was killed. Uh, this was after being stabbed 26 times by his family's landlord. Now, investigators are saying that the killer was motivated by the family being Muslim and by the ongoing Israel-Gaza crisis. And also, we're hearing the landlord had been listening to conservative radio. I wonder how you see coverage of the crisis overseas impacting events here at home in the U.S.
1: The media coverage absolutely had a role to play in this young boy's horrific death. We heard from... The suspect's wife that he was listening to conservative radio and they were harping on and on about a so-called day of rage by hamas on october 13th and he became convinced that was going to happen this was a right-wing conspiracy that was whipped up by again like certain right-wing organizations and figures that had no basis in reality and that really convinced this man to kill this family that he's he'd known for at least a couple of years, and or to attempt to kill the mother, but to kill the child. It's terrifying. And I think every single journalist who went with these unsubstantiated claims about rapes and beheaded babies, uh, that really whipped up this environment of fear and hysteria and demonization of Palestinians, of Arabs, of Muslims, bear some bears some responsibility. Our responsibility as journalists is extremely important. When we bring on politicians that justify the killing of civilians, that repeat racist tropes and stereotypes, we bear a responsibility if people hear that and then go on to commit violence. And I think it's really important for journalists to take a step back, self-reflect and cover this, uh, this issue, this situation a lot more responsibly.
0: We'll leave it there for now. That's Leila Al-Aryan, executive producer of Al Jazeera English's documentary program Fault Lines. Layla, thank you so much for checking in with us. Take care. Thank you. Now, we have had a number of discussions on Reset over the past couple of weeks about the Israel-Hamas war including a deep dive on how misinformation and disinformation are spreading online. You can check that conversation out on the Reset podcast and all of our coverage at wbez.org slash reset. Now on an upcoming show, we are going to dig into how language is being used and sometimes weaponized as this war continues. So stick with us here on Reset throughout the coming days on 91.5 WBEZ.